have a special guest today. Um, he, he's quite controversial. I don't think he should be controversial, but he is. So we're going to take a little bit of a risk. Uh, some people in here know him and want to know more. Some people are interested in him, but don't really relate to him yet. And then there's other people in here who are kind of afraid of this guest. He's powerful, but tender. He's disruptive, but comforting. He's everywhere, but he's attentive to personal needs. So ladies and gentlemen, our special guest today is the Holy Spirit. Oh, you caught on really fast, didn't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to teaching on the Holy Spirit this summer. And the summer months, we'll have other guest speakers kind of weave in and out. But I, I want to take my time teaching you on the Holy Spirit. Because in my experiences in the past, sometimes when I've heard about the Holy Spirit, the teaching is all moving towards an outcome in that particular service. So there's a lot of stress on the teaching. It's kind of like this, let's get it done, this sermon type of teaching. Like every single thing known about the Holy Spirit has to scrunch into one sermon and then a particular experience has to happen. And that's fine and God has certainly moved in those settings. But, but I, I hope to take a, a more relaxed posture with you because I believe God wants to break up hard hearts, break up ground that is really hard and not receptive. I think for many of us here, our hearts have become hard to the work of the Holy Spirit. Others of us have just never had an openness. And so the teaching of God's word is just going to illuminate that. And I believe it's going to create a, an appropriate hunger and knowledge and information is good because knowledge and information leads us to truth. And when we go to truth, truth that comes from the Father above, it always goes good for us. How I many know we want to live in light, not in the shadows, right? We don't want to live in deception. Let's go to John chapter 14. I want to challenge you or invite you, challenge you to go to John 14. From some of us, that is a challenge. Isn't it funny how those words, just verbs, kind of get stuck in our head when we preach? There is a lot of fear about the Holy Spirit, and that just should not be. And I hope, I hope that you feel, you're going to feel safe here, safe in the sense that we should not fear something good that God has for us. So why is it that we're afraid of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to hit this part of it just head on, right? I'm going to get this out of the way. We're afraid of the Holy Spirit because of speaking in tongues. That, that's why we are. So there are nine different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Nine of them. Nine. And later on in the summer, we'll talk about some of these. And one of them, one of the nine is speaking in tongues and the Bible says it's the least important of the nine. But there's been such an emphasis on that 
among traditional Pentecostal churches that whenever the Holy Spirit comes up, some of us put our guards up right now because we're, we're thinking, um, well, I don't want to speak in tongues. Well, let me just give you my brief theology of speaking in tongues, and then we'll move on. And this is from studying the Bible. I don't believe every Christian speaks in tongues. Now, I know some of, some of you don't agree with me, and that's okay. You're free not to agree with me. I'm, I'm just going off my study of the Bible. Now, I happen to speak in tongues or have a prayer language, but I don't think that makes me any better than those of you who don't. I think it's a gift God's given me that is useful and beneficial, but it's not prescriptive, meaning it doesn't mean that every single person has to have that gift like some traditional Pentecostal teaching teaches. On the other hand, there's some of you who do have a prayer language and you speak in a heavenly language because of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that you are safe here. You're not going to be made fun of. You're not going to be ridiculed. You're not going to falsely be accused of being demon-possessed, as cessationists do. And, and you're free to exercise that gift in an appropriate manner because the Bible says don't forbid the speaking in tongues. So, now we can all relax. Those of you who don't speak in tongues, you're not going to be made to. You're not going to be limited in your leadership opportunity here. And you're not going to be treated as a second-class Christian because you don't have that gift. And those of you who do have that gift, you're not going to be made fun of, and you're not going to be ostracized, and you're not going to be considered um, some kind of weirdo. So that leaves us all on some level ground. We have some Pentecostals here. We have ex-Pentecostals. We have Charismatics. We have ex-Charismatics. And then we have a whole bunch of people who have no idea what I talked about the last few minutes. <laughs> and now here's the, we're all on even ground. We're on even ground because here's what we all have in common. We all need him. That's what we have in common. We all need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not for a certain denomination or a certain type of Christian. The Holy Spirit's for us all. And, and he wants us all. And he wants to lift up Jesus. And we're all going to love Jesus more. And we're all going to be more passionate about the Lord when we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Now, we as modern human beings have many challenges today. First of all, we have way too many options in life. If y'all realize that, I mean way too many options. And that overloads us. We have access to so much information. Um, we're currently abandoning positive traditions that have been the, the social cohesion of society. We're creating a culture where Instead of agreed upon morality and ethics, nothing's agreed upon anymore. I want to tell you this. We need help, don't we? 
We, we just, as, as human beings, as modern human beings in the 21st century, we just need help as a society. We need help as a culture. And then there's the practical stuff. Relationship issues, health issues, employment issues, money issues. I mean, no, we just got issues, don't we? I mean, I remember Lincoln, my youngest, picking that up. He was very verbal at an early age in about kindergarten. He said, Dad, I just got issues. Just got issues. <laughs> so he picked that up really fast. And we, do, we just got issues. I have issues. You have issues. All of us have issues. Wouldn't it be nice to have some help with those issues? Wouldn't it be nice to have a helper? Wouldn't it be nice if the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God was the helper? Well, he is. I'm not going to withhold teaching on the Holy Spirit to you because that wouldn't be good pastoring on me because the Holy Spirit's here to help you. You've got a helper. You've got someone here who wants to come alongside you and help you with every issue of your life. Jesus talked about him in today's text, John chapter 14, starting with verse 15. This is what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, that, we already knew that. That's, that was the whole Old Testament, all of these commandments. And we didn't do a very good job doing that. We, we don't do a very good job keeping the commandments by self-will, uh, by creating rules. That doesn't really work out. But this is what he says. And I will ask the Father, this Trinity Sunday, here it is, the Trinity right here. And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Doesn't the word helper just look good on that screen? Not, not an enemy. God's not our enemy. Think about that. God's not our adversary. God's not the impossible judge or teacher or coach who's looking for us to make a mistake. Our God is our helper. And he will, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You will, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Listen, I'm not trying to, us brag as people, but, but we need to know who we are. And we, we have something as believers, as those who know Jesus, that the world doesn't have. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We've got a helper. We've got someone here who's trying to give us a boost in this life, direction in this life, power over sin, discernment over the work of the enemy. We have someone within us who's greater than every force of the world. We have a power within us gifted to us by Jesus himself that glorifies Jesus in all things, that points us to the Father, that causes us to live a life, a life of great passion for the things of God. Later on in the book of John, chapter 16, Jesus again reiterates this gift we enjoy today. Verse 5, now I'm going to him who sent me. The Trinity's in action once again. None of you Ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
Isn't this a remarkable thought? We would all choose Jesus if we had the choice as far as, far as the personification of Jesus, Jesus in the flesh. But Jesus is telling us it's actually better that I'm not here because there's more of the Holy Spirit when I'm not here. Now the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus is God. You understand the Trinity? You understand that? Well, I don't fully understand it, but I believe it, right? Okay, so I don't believe it. It's part of being a Christian. It's believing in this Trinity. This, this idea, Jesus says, we are better because of the Holy Spirit. Now, we preach against pride and we talk about spiritual pride. We don't want any of that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about spiritual confidence. You need to understand something. You are a better person because of the Holy Spirit. Not because of you, but because of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we ought to be able to, in a good way, lift our heads a little higher and put our shoulders back a little bit because God has graced us and chosen us to have his spirit. And the spirit makes everything better. Things are better because of the Holy Spirit. He's our helper and he's here for us. So let me just give you a few points about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna do it kind of fast. Or if I don't get through it, I'll just pick it up next week. How about that? First of all, I want you to see from the, other, the two verses we've already read, that the Bible treats the Holy Spirit as a person. Write that down if you're taking notes. The Bible treats the Holy Spirit as a person. And we, we've been a little bit handicapped by translation because the King James translation, which was, has been the dominant translation probably till 40 years ago, uh, 30 years ago for sure when the NIV gained popularity. The King James interpreted the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Now, that sounds sometimes good when you're preaching, like, the Holy Ghost is here. I want to tell you about the Holy Ghost and the environment and that kind of stuff. So that's cool. That's cool when that happens, you know. Um, that, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. It's, good, it's a good use of language or whatever. But how many know it's not real relatable? Okay? I don't really relate to a ghost. I don't really relate to a ghost. It's not wrong to use that term, but, but that kind of handicapped us and it made us think that the Holy Spirit is some this mystical kind of force out there when the Bible treats the Holy Spirit as a person and so should we. The Holy Spirit is a true person of the Godhead. He's fully God, but he has a person about him. The Spirit obviously doesn't have matter. It doesn't have flesh, but it does have this. Write this down. The Holy Spirit acts in intelligence and wisdom. So think about this. The Holy Spirit's acting in intelligence and wisdom. The Holy Spirit is actually in divine wisdom and in perfection of holiness is making decisions and is making judgments regarding activity that we're involved in and in activity in this very world. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 gives us a taste of this. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Here's another example of the Trinity here. The father's revealing that the son will be marked by the spirit. See, the, the word Trinity is, never in the, is nowhere in the Bible. You can't go to the back to the concordance and find the word Trinity in the Bible. But it's all through the Bible inferred established by church fathers and crucial to our faith. Look at this. The spirit, and it's capitalized spirit. It's not just talking about like this, this sentimental feeling, the, you know, like the, the spirit of Nashville. No, no, it's talking about the spirit with a big S here. 
the big S, the spirit who has a name, a personality, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. This is a really great scripture. It says a prayer. This is a prayer, and we're going to get the middle of the prayer that says that God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. When we're spending time with the Lord and when we are aware of the Holy Spirit's activity in our life, you know, we'll start thinking faster about the things of God. When, when your heart is hard towards the things of God, sermons are a little more boring, songs are a little more lame. I mean, the Bible is just no, just laborious. But when there's, there's an activity of the Spirit in you, a spirit of wisdom and revelation starts coming and you just begin to get insight from the Lord. This is an indicator where our hearts is, our hearts are. And, and that's why I, I want to encourage you some of you who are believers with hard hearts today to allow the Holy Spirit and begin to ask for new wisdom and revelation in him. And he'll begin to show you truths in new ways from Bible studies, devotionals. He'll begin to show you new things. It's like all of a sudden what used to be normal jumps off the page to you. A song that you used to hear that just be background music. There's just something on that song now. This is the spirit working in you, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, making Jesus more known to you, making Jesus more real to you, making Jesus bigger to you. Because how many of that's what we need? We need Jesus to get bigger and we need Aaron to get smaller. We need Jesus to get exalted and we need our problems to get smaller. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It starts revealing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we begin to see Jesus in creation itself, in, in our literature, in, in our scripture, in, in our art, in the arts, uh, in the love of a child, we, we, get, we see more and more of Jesus. It's like the spirit of wisdom and revelation is happening. So I need to tell you this. This is going to be hard for some of you to hear. The Holy Spirit is more intelligent than you are. So in situations that you're dealing with at work, at school, in dealing with relationships... You're not smart enough to solve the problem. You're not smart enough to use the right tone of voice with your spouse. Now, I am, but you're not. We're not intelligent enough to reach the hearts of our kids and their individual personalities. We're just not that good. But we've got a helper, don't we? And he's wise and he's full of intelligence and he wants to assist us and lead us and, and make things better for us. That's why I don't want you to fear the Holy Spirit when he wants to help you so much. So we go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. The, the, the uh, outline there says verse 1, but just add another one mark and then problem solved for all of us, okay? Talking about the manifestations of the Spirit... And I want you to see how intelligent the spirit is. He says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. There's one Holy Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So this Holy Spirit 
is gifting Chris a certain way. He's gifting Jonathan and Danielle a certain way. He's gifting Les a certain way. And then we come together and we're better together. So the Holy Spirit decides this gift's for Roger. You know, this gift's for Greg. This gift's for Megan. But then we're going to come together and we're better together. Why? Because he's a lot smarter than we are. The Holy Spirit's building his church. And that's why your church participation, I want you to realize the Spirit is doing something. Don't believe the lie that you're the one making the choice. That's a worldly thought, as if we're some kind of religious consumers, like we're picking a church, like we picked a, a restaurant, or we pick a vacation spot. The Spirit is assigning you to a church because you've got a gift, and those gifts come together. When they come together, something powerful happens. Because he's smarter than us. He's intelligent. He's the one that's putting things together. The Holy Spirit, write this down, has emotions. Wow. Realizing this is transformational. Isaiah 63 verse 10 says, But they rebelled, and look at this word, grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Think about this. The Holy Spirit got sad. He grieved because of rebellion. This is why we talk about the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive. There used to be a little phrase that people used to automatically just say. It wasn't from the Bible. But the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You know, and it's kind of a, whatever. Whatever. Greg, chapter 5, verse 2. I think where that phrase came from, that phrase came from, from this idea of, it's not a bad phrase at all, and if you use it, please keep using it. It, it, it came from this idea of there, there's like a sensitivity, the spirit's sensitive. He, he's grieved easily. Why? Because God chose for him to be that way. So it's not a weakness. There's no weakness in the Holy Spirit. It's the nature that sovereign God has chosen. And so the Holy Spirit is grieved. Now, Taking this to the New Testament, this same concept, Paul knew about this as a Pharisee, as a writer, as a teacher. And so he said in Ephesians 4.30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is an imperative. And this is a word for some of you today. This is the Bible. So, right? so some of you, the, the, the Lord wanted you to hear right now. You may have not heard the sermon. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit anymore. Some of you are making the Holy Spirit sad. The reason you don't have the Holy Spirit's activity in your life anymore is because you're grieving him. You're, you're saddening the Holy Spirit. You're not following the ways of the Lord. And this, this is very convicting to me. I've been challenged by this verse this week because this is the way we live our life. We ask the wrong question. Here's the wrong question that we ask. And we don't ask this out loud, but we ask this in our behavior. Here's the question we ask. What can I get away with? God, where's that line? Because I want to get as close to the line as I can possibly. And, and, and we come up with these excuses like, hey, it's not legal. I don't want to be legalistic. I've been delivered from legalism. And God's not, a, you know, God's not just a rule follower. And some of the things we say to justify this question we're asking is, what can I get away with? What can I get away with and still be Christian? What can I get away with and still get to heaven? And just, we know that we get to heaven only through Jesus, but you understand in that kind of elementary thinking. Well, what can I get away with? That's the wrong question. I, I want 
us by the scripture today to change the question. Here's a question that I, I want you to change to. The, the, the question is this. What is grieving the Holy Spirit? What is grieving the Holy Spirit? And remember when I told you that the Holy Spirit has a personality? And he has intelligence? So it's quite possible that something that's not wrong for Danny or Dominic is grieving the Holy Spirit within me because because of my past and my future and my present reality, the Holy Spirit saying, you don't even, you don't think that way or talk that way or participate in that uh, because it's grieving me. And even in community, even in a church community like this, sometimes the Holy Spirit may have a standard for you or he may have an expectation for you that's higher or different or unique. And if you set your standards by only those around you and not the Holy Spirit, you may be grieving his work in your life. So we have to change the question, not with what can I get away with, but Holy Spirit, what's grieving you? What's hindering your work in my life? What's minimizing your voice? What's making you, Holy Spirit, more distant from me. Last, next point is this. The Holy Spirit gives specific direction to the church. That's why we need to be people of prayer. Acts 13, 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So the Holy Spirit said, these two were sending out. Acts 16, 6, and they went, through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now look, look at this phrase. You'll see it on the screen. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's an interesting story you'll have to look at later. They were going to do a good thing. We're going to go to what was known as Asia at the time. Spread the gospel. The Holy Spirit said no. How many know that the Holy Spirit says go? The Holy Spirit says no. We just have to Listen. And we listen together. We listen with each other. We listen as a, both as individuals and as a community. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in the details of our lives. That's the last thing. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in the details of our lives. The Church of Acts, we're trying to figure out what to do with all these Gentiles. A lot of Jewish people, they're like, what are we going to do with these Gentiles? Are we going to make them Jewish? Are they going to have to follow all the rules? And Acts 15, they went to the Holy Spirit and they came to this conclusion in verse 28. It says, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And then they gave very specific instructions for the Gentiles. This lets us know in other evidence of scripture that the Holy Spirit he, he wants to give details to us he wants to give details with us I think it's interesting that the church community was hearing together the church community was even discussing what's the Holy Spirit saying because there's safety in the community but he's active in the details of our life he's, he is so I asked the Lord okay Lord what kind of story can I tell now? Because I wanted to come up with a big, spectacular story. And then, you know, there, there were some things, some stories that I kicked around in my head. But I think 
the Lord wants me to just tell you a common story about the Holy Spirit and how he's involved in the details of our life. So common that it just happened to me this week. I did have, when I went to England this week, the first half of the trip, I went by myself and it was a ministry trip. And I will say this for those of you who are praying with me, uh, God did something very significant in me, extremely significant in me. And, and at the right time, I'll tell you what that is. Not that I'm one withholding, but it's new, it's fresh, it's, it's a bit tender. So when Beth came and, and met me in England and she led worship last Sunday at the church and I preached, she came in on Saturday, we ministered on Sunday, then we went to, to London to uh, celebrate our anniversary and, and, and enjoy our time there. And we had a good time. Uh, and, and those of you who follow Beth on Facebook, you were on the trip with us, so that was fun. So, um, wonderful trip, and, and we each had a list of things that we wanted to see. I wanted to see a lot of churches, and I saw some of three of my ancestral churches where, where I can trace my lineage to. And then there's some other churches I didn't get to, like Charles Spurgeon's, his church, and, and John Wesley, the museum where he was at. Or where he was buried. Uh, but there was just, in a city of 8 million with, with 2,000 years of history, there's just never enough time, right, to cover it all. So I was in the spirit, though, because of the experience I'd had earlier in Maidstone. And, and it was just still, even though it was a vacation type, it was, uh, there was a sensitivity to the spirit. And so on one particular day, uh, I think it was Wednesday, I woke up and I just felt like one of the churches on my list I like really wanted to see that. A Holy Trinity Brompton's the name of the church. But Beth, and rightfully so, was sick of looking at churches. And I don't blame her. So I didn't, I didn't want to press the issue. I wanted to serve her and all that. So we, we, we did other things that we both enjoyed. And we, we were at Harrods, the famous department store. And I had lunch there. And, and, and I just still kind of just felt this nagging need to go visit this church. It was just kind of, just kind of nagging. And so submitting to her as she submits to me, as you do in marriage, you just said, hey, while you're shopping, would you mind if I went to Holy Trinity? And she said, no, please, I want you to. And she really encouraged me to. I was on the edge. And I had visited all these dead churches, literally museums, some collecting money to come look at them, churches that talked about a past greatness but not a present reality. And on that Wednesday afternoon, it was Wednesday afternoon, I went to Holy Trinity, and there uh, I had known for some years, this was the church who started 30 years ago, something known as the Alpha Course, which is something that I had been playing around with my mind for doing for the last 10 years. And, and I believe the Lord wants us to do it next year. Uh, because I walked in, and they were actually setting up for this uh, Alpha Course. And some lay leaders greeted me, and... Let me tell you, there was life there. There was good music. There were tables with tea and lemonade. Uh, there was people scurrying about. And it was so encouraging to my spirit after being around church after church, death, 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 to be at a church where there was life. And you know where the life was? It was in the people. Can I tell you, the life is not in the building or the structure the life is not in um, the organization and all that. The life is in the people who are carriers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And, and you are what causes a church to stay alive. You, and the Holy Spirit within you, is what causes life 
to be involved in a church. And they took me to the crypt, which part of it was a coffee house, part of it was a bookstore. People were mulling about. They took me to a room where 30 years ago, the Holy Spirit came in a fresh way and filled this Church of England church, filled their leadership with the Spirit. And I, I read a secular article in The Guardian. It's the only church in the Church of England that's really growing today. Why? Because growth comes by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God that gives life to the Word of God. And it was a significant experience to me. I was very much touched. I was touched that day. And do you know why I was able to be touched that day? It's because there was a really gentle prompting by the Spirit. Holy Trinity, go visit that church. It just didn't go away. Just a little nagging. I didn't hear a voice. Go to Holy Trinity. That's not how the Spirit speaks to me. I've never heard the voice of God, the voice of God. The Spirit speaks to me through thoughts. I had a thought that just I couldn't get rid of. And I was in the Spirit. And, and so it was, it was a thought, and that thought has led to life. And it's very possible, I don't want to be presumptive here, it's very possible that visitation will lead to us starting the Alpha and many people will be saved and discipled through that program. That, that's a high possibility. The point is this, is the Spirit's directing the details of our life. He is directing. He's directing. But when we have hard hearts, we don't listen anymore. We don't listen anymore, do we? Let's listen, huh? Let's listen. Come on, stand together. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You got to break up hard hearts right now. Break up ground that hasn't had your reign in a long time. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you're not a memory. You're a reality. Lord, we praise your name for past experiences, but Lord, we know that past experiences don't bring life in the spirit today. It just guides us to the spirit today, to Jesus today. So Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. You know, we, we need to sometimes not pray our experience, but we just need to pray the scripture. The scripture says that when the believers got together, that they prayed and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you just ask the Holy Spirit just to fill us right now? And, and, and I just want you to know that when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, God honors his word. So we're not trying to reproduce a past experience. And there is no expectation I have right now. There really is no expectation I have. I laid down expectation. I just believe, I just know this, the helper is here. And, and I just believe he wants you to open your heart. I told that story for possibilities because the Holy Spirit is anticipating your week ahead of you and he wants to be involved in it. And, and I reiterate what I said, you're not smart enough. You're not intelligent enough to solve the problem. You're not smooth enough to resolve the conflict. You're not cunning enough to trick everyone and get everybody on the same page. But the one within you is greater than the one who's in the world. The Holy Spirit's gonna make you better. We want you, Holy Spirit. So